0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for your disciple John, we thank you that through his testament and his witness that we get to hear your words, we get to learn and know your words, and more importantly we get to know you and your son Jesus Christ. And so as we look at these words today, as we unpack them, may we know Jesus more and may we become more like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, a person's last statement before his or her death reveals a lot about them, doesn't it? A person's last words can leave a major impact on the way we actually remember them. Last words carry such important weight perhaps because in the face of death a person's deepest desires are revealed. The great artist Leonardo da Vinci, before his death, his last words were, I have offended God and mankind because my work did not reach the quality it should have. And obviously these words reflected the inattention and the obsession that he had within himself. Uh, One of my favourite last words, is from the great reformer, the great German reformer, Martin Luther, who just before his death, laid on his deathbed and whispered these words quite rudely, I might add, to his wife. I'm like a ripe stool and the world's like a gigantic anus, and we're about to let go of each other. (laughs) Never Never thought he would say that. Needless to say, that reflected his own frustration with the world. In an an American prison, when an inmate is sentenced to the death penalty, he is only given 24 hours notice before his execution. It's a very short notice, but in this 24 hours before his execution, he's also entitled to some rights. He gets to make a last phone call. He gets to request a last meal of his choosing. And just before he is put into the chair, he gets to make one last statement for the record. Uh, There's an interesting website online that catalogues all the last statements from death row personnel from a prison in Texas. And some of these statements are actually quite remarkable and sobering. I'm going to read one out to you. It's a good day to die. I walked in here like a man and I'm leaving here like a man. I had a good life. I have known the love of a good woman, my wife. I have a good family. My grandmother is the pillar of the community. I love and cherish my friends and family. Thank you for your love. To the Hancock family, I am sorry for the pain I caused you. If my death gives you any peace, so be it. I want my friends to know it is not the way to die. But I belong to Jesus Christ. I confess my sins. I have Oh. Well, today in our passage, we come to a part in John where Jesus is in some sense also on death row. He knows that very soon, just in the next chapter, in fact, he is going to be betrayed by Judas. He will be tried and eventually taken to the cross for the most cruel death penalty ever known to mankind. He knows that time is short and soon things will be set in motion that cannot be reversed. But just before that happens, just before he goes to the cross, Jesus prays a high priestly prayer, this prayer that we've been tracking through the last two weeks, revealing what Jesus most desires in his heart. These are Jesus's most intimate moments as he concludes and summarizes the three years of his ministry. And coincidentally, there are three desires that he expresses in this section of his prayer. Three things that Jesus yearns and longs with his whole heart, his deepest passions. I'm just gonna list them briefly to you. Number one, for all his disciples to be united. Number two, for us to continue in his mission. And number three, for us to be with him and see his glory. Uh, interestingly these three things that Jesus yearns for are actually about us his disciples and Jesus prays for what we would become so as we go through each point as we unpack each point um, I'd like us to actually keep in mind the first point as the overarching theme um, of the entire passage so point one for all his disciples to be united Uh, In the previous verses, as we've gone through the last few weeks, Jesus had begun praying for his disciples in the upper room who were with him at the time. He's prayed for their protection and prayed for them to go out into the world to continue his ministry. However now, Jesus now shifts his focus to not just pray for his disciples, but also pray for those that would eventually in the future become his disciples. He prays in verse 20, My prayer is not for them alone, them being His disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Jesus raises the bar here because He is effectively praying, not just for His disciples that were with Him, but also for those disciples that are yet to come in the future. See, Jesus is not looking for disciples just from one generation. He is looking for for disciples and believers of all time, from all generations, and all corners of the world to be his disciples. It is a universal calling that transcends time and space. And how are these future disciples to believe? Primarily through the message of his disciples. See, it isn't just about visions or miracles or signs and wonders. I mean, I do believe that, you know, God still works through um, miracles, signs and wonders today. But coming to faith in Jesus, believing in Jesus, knowing Jesus, is based solely through the message and gospel of Jesus. Jesus' desire for us is that we will carry on this message that more might come to believe in Him. And not just believe, but also for all disciples, past, present and future, to be united as one in Him. We will be all united through Jesus and His message. As Jesus prays in verse 21, that all may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. Jesus here is praying for unity amongst His disciples and He is praying for the exact same unity He has with God the Father to be in us. So, what is the purpose of unity? Why be united at all? I mean, you know, it's quite easy for us to come up with all sorts of reasons why be united. Perhaps we stay united because it makes us stronger. Lots of hands make... The, the workload easier. Companies and organisations actually emphasise this all the time. They emphasise this amongst their staff to be united as one, perhaps because it increases their productive productivity rate, increases profit margin. However, for Jesus, unity actually has a very different purpose, and he actually says in verse twenty-one that the purpose of unity is so that so that the world may believe that you have sent me now just a little tip for you guys when you're reading your Bible anytime you see the word so that is it up on the screen yep yeah. so that you should always be asking yourself what is the so that therefore make sense make sense Amen. <laughs> thank you thank you someone's listening <laughs> see the purpose of Christian unity is to not is not to make us more efficient or to make us stronger but it is to declare to the world that jesus is the son of god and through jesus god is showing his love for the world god is outpouring his love for the world through his son jesus you know i think unity isn't even a strategy sometimes as churches we think oh you know if, if only the world could see us as being united as being you know these group of um, um, um people who who just um play around with each not playing around, sorry, to to play together with each other that, that, that looks so happy as friends together. And if only they see us as being united, then maybe we could convert a few more people. It's one strategy to make our evangelism efforts a lot more efficient. And, but I think that's actually just manipulation. That's actually showing a facade to people So that we can actually convert a few more. No, unity amongst Christians is really just for the reflection of Jesus' love for us. It is the evidence of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. It is the kind of unity that happens when one of us falls, we come we stand together and we lift each other back onto our feet. When one of us enters into a dark abyss, we are there to guide each other and walk with each other back into the light. When death is imminent on our doorstep, and there is no escape, we will be there for each other as a band of brothers till the very end. This is the evidence in unity that the world must see. And in seeing this unity, they will surely say, this unity is not by mankind's effort alone. It, is, it only exists by Jesus who is sent from God above. Unity in the church is for the glory and praise of Jesus Christ. That the world may know God through Jesus. But perhaps some of you may be thinking, well, actually there's, there is a problem with that. Christians today don't you know just don't seem to be as united as they should be. In fact more often than not it seems that Christians are very divided amongst themselves. Um, Christians do argue and differ over issues of theological importance. Questions like can a child be baptized? Should women be allowed to preach and lead in churches? Is there anything spiritually beneficial in Holy Communion? Does God predestine some to be saved, or does he allow us to have free will to choose? Will there be a rapture in the age to come where we would just mysteriously disappear and leave our clothes behind? I don't know how that happens, but and you know they are not they're not they're not trivial things. They are things of important significance, things that do inform our faith. This is why amongst Christians we have so many different denominations. We've got the Anglicans, we've got the Methodists, the Baptists, the Pentecostals, the Lutherans, the Presbyterians, so many ins, ins, ins. Sometimes it just feels like the only thing we have in common is that our denominations just rhyme with each other. And the list goes on. Each of us, each denomination with their own emphasis on different theology and Bible views. In all this diver- division, a part of us is saying, surely this is not what Jesus had intended for the church. That the reality is that Christians are divided. And we ask, how is the world to believe if Jesus, in Jesus if his followers don't even look like they're united together? Well, what if I were to tell you that actually I think it's good for us to all have differing opinions what if i were to say that actually thank you god for giving us so many different denominations see it's good that there is diversity of opinions because god actually makes us all differently i mean it's all pretty obvious but all very different people just by looking at your faces and that is why unity exists. I mean, if we were all the same, if we all look like each other, we all thought like each other, we all acted like each other, we all behave like each other, we all like other, we all liked the same coffee, what point is there for unity? The very fact that we are all different is the reason that unity must and can exist, because we are all different. This is the wonder of being a disciple of Jesus, being a Christian, it's not being coerced into a set of rules. It's not being coerced into a into into being one one con, conformed standard. No, it's about being accepted by Jesus for who we are. Being accepted for who we are in our lives, and to say that we will follow after Jesus, that we will will, will sacrifice our lives to follow after Jesus and follow after Him. The second point is for us to carry on this mission. Because we are united as one body, Jesus' desire for us is also to carry on the mission and ministry which he began. Uh, Verse 22, he prays, I have given them the glory that you have gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Now before we go further, let's just clarify what Jesus is saying here. What's the deal with him saying, what's, what's the deal with this glory that Jesus is referring to? He says, I have given them the glory that you have given me. What is he saying here? What's this glory? Is he giving us some kind of special power? Is he giving us some kind of special divine power? What's happening here? Well, to give us some context, Jesus, firstly, is not referring to His divine glory, that He is the Son of God. It is, uh, sorry, it isn't referring to His divine nature. What glory means here, in this instance, is that it actually refers to an earthly glory that was given to Him to carry out His mission and work. Another way of describing is that the word glory here actually means Jesus' renowned reputation his renowned reputation to what was what is jesus reputation to be his renowned reputation 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 to teach to proclaim the good news of the kingdom and to see the oppressed free this is the same glory that john refers to at the beginning of his gospel after jesus had performed the miracle turning water into wine you guys remember that miracle where he goes to this wedding at Cana and he turns water into wine. <laughs> John chapter 2 verse 11 says, What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Now coming back to our passage today, because this glory that Jesus refers to is an earthly glory, what Jesus means to say is that the ministry he had begun on earth he now gives it to his disciples to carry on. Jesus wants us to share in the glory that was the hallmark of his ministry. Again this ties back in with his desires for us to have unity with each other particularly as he repeats it again in verse 23. Verse 23 he prays, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. When we are united together in Jesus' ministry and mission, when we receive the glory that comes with this ministry, it becomes evidence for the world to see Jesus' own glory and how much God loves us. This is why at Inner West we put such a big emphasis on being missional. Because as disciples of Jesus, it's not just about us gathering here indoors in this nice big stadium, huddling together in isolation. No, only hamsters and rodents do that. It is very clear that Jesus' desire for us is to continue what He had begun to do during His time here on earth. And what is it that we are to continue? What is that mission? To show and declare to the world that Jesus is the Son of God sent from heaven above. John 3, 16, every Christian's favorite verse, every Christian, every verse that every Christian knows gets to the heart of this declaration. It is a statement of why Jesus was sent by the Father which links up very nicely with verse 23. And you all know this verse, right? Please, you all know this verse. right, if you don't, I'll say it. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17 goes on to say Indeed, God did not send send the Son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Not to condemn the world, but to save the world. I hope you guys are seeing the big picture here. The reason Jesus is sent by God is to save the world. That is great and awesome news. It is news that shakes us with excitement, news that compels us to go out into the world to share this gospel. This is the glory that is given to us. Our renowned reputation is to be to tell the world about the good news of Jesus, that is His desire for us. And so, Jesus' third and final desire is this, that we may be with Him to see His glory and ultimately the Father's glory. Verse 24: Father, I want those You have given me to be with me where I am and to see My glory, the glory. You have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. So unlike the previous verse in verse 23, the glory which Jesus now refers to is, actually, is His eternal glory, which was given to Him before the creation of the world. Jesus wants us to be with Him and to experience real, authentic relationship by seeing His divine glory. This is a glory that is based on his father's love which is an eternal love even before the creation of the world see at the end of the day it's great for us to have unity as christians it's great that we want to center ourselves around intentional friendships mission so on and so forth but if we do not see if we do not see and experience jesus's glory all that we do will be all for naught. And I believe this is what makes us truly Christians. Makes us real, authentic disciples. It's really not about what we do together. How much we are you know, spontaneous with our meetups. How often we do DNAs. Or even how missional we are. They are all good things. They're not bad things. But the ultimate purpose... The ultimate destination for a Christian is to be with Jesus, to see Him, to touch Him, as He truly is, full of the glory that the Father has given Him, given out of the Father's love for Jesus. And to be a Christian is to also receive the Father's love, as Jesus ends His prayer by saying, "I make Your name known to them, and I will make it known." so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them." And so, these three things that Jesus most earnestly desires before his death, for all his disciples to be united, for us to continue his mission, for us to be with him and see his glory. These are his final desires before his passion to the cross begins in the next chapter. Sadly, if you read on in John, in the later chapters, we find that these things among his his disciples actually do not come into fruition. In fact, as they see Jesus dying on the cross, as they witness his death on the cross, the disciples did not remain united Instead they broke off and they scattered. They did not continue Jesus' ministry, nor did they believe that they would or could ever see Jesus again and be with Him. However, as death gives way to victory, and Jesus in His resurrection defeats the power of sin, Jesus rises from the dead and fulfills His deepest desires. What He prays for in His priestly prayer was not just a mere wish list. It was not just a bucket list that he wished he could complete before his death. But it was a prophecy of the things that are yet to come. Through Jesus' resurrection, a new dawn for God's people emerges. Through Jesus' resurrection, we see the disciples becoming united as one again. We see that in the book of Acts, chapter 5, verse 3. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possession was his own, but they shared everything they had. And even today we see that evidence, as we here, we here sitting together, all come from different backgrounds, from different walks of life, from very different personalities. Some of us, Chinese, Italians, Koreans, Americans, Canadians, Malaysians. Some from Victoria, some from Western Australia, some from Tasmania. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. All from different backgrounds, coming together, united together in Jesus Christ. Though we have so many different denominations in the world today, all of us still share in the unity in proclaiming Jesus's glory and love for the world, testifying to the diversity of God's people. Through Jesus's resurrection, Jesus commissions his disciples to go out into the world to make more disciples, continuing and taking the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. In fact, we here again are evidence of that continuation. We are testament that Jesus' ministry has continued through the ages, through his disciples, from one generation to the next. Facing persecutions from every history, every time in history, yet Jesus' mission perseveres and continues and will have a new dawn. And that gives us assurance today that even if the world seems to be against us, When we lose hope and wonder, will we survive? Will the church survive? Will the gospel survive another hundred years? We remember that Jesus has seen his ministry through and will continue to persevere and carry it on into the future. Finally, through Jesus' resurrection, he is reunited again with his disciples. Jesus appears to his disciples, walking with them, talking, eating, communing with them, showing his resurrection glory that he has received from the father even when some of his own disciples like thomas doubted jesus says to thomas in john chapter 20 verse 27 thomas put your finger here see my hands reach out your hand and put it by my side these hands that are nail pierced touch me see that i am good stop doubting And believe in me and one day we too will be reunited with jesus when he returns from the heavens and descends as king of the world we will see him face to face we will speak to him we will touch him we will hear him we will smell him and experience his wonderful wonderful glorious glory as jesus goes on to say in chapter 20 verse 29 blessed are those who have not seen yet believed. This is the hope we have that is sure and steadfast because Jesus will bring that to completion in the end. So, what will your last words be? What will your last desires be? What will our last desires as a church be? What kind of reputation reputation we will make for ourselves when our time here on earth is done. What will we as a church be known for? I pray that if ever our names do make it into the history books, may we be remembered for being one united in Jesus Christ. Amen.